0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. This morning, if you will turn with me to Psalms chapter 119 and 11, verse 11. We're actually starting a new series this month, as we do every month. Um, the series is talking about as our hiding place. And in, in, this, in this series, there's going to be four different pl- psalms that we talk about. Today, we're going to talk about highlighting the importance of hiding God's word in your heart. Next Sunday be the opportunities we have to find a refuge under the shadows of the Almighty. The third Sunday be to, the call to enter the, his courts with thanksgiving and praise. And the fourth Sunday, the privilege we have of finding a hiding place of refuge in his presence. But today, I just wanted to kind of give you uh, an overview of what we're going to be talking about this month, why you are finding the scripture. But today, let's start with the scripture. Today we read Psalms Psalms one nineteen eleven says, "Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not have that I might not sin against Thee." Today, if you will join me in prayer right now, Lord, I ask you to touch us and anoint us today in this service, Lord. Lord, I ask you right now to minister through me today, Lord Jesus, as I teach this lesson, Lord Jesus, I ask you right now, Lord Jesus, to, to anoint everyone under the sound of my voice today, Lord Jesus, to hear the words, Lord Jesus, as I speak. Lord Jesus, allow me, Lord Jesus, to be a vessel used by you today. Lord, I ask you, in Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I will hide God's word in my heart and daily live out that in my life. God's word teaches us how to live life that is pleasing to us. This series will encourage us to find a place of refuge in God's word and in his presence. Today I want to start out with kind of sharing a, a story, a, a fictional, I, I, I guess it's a fictional story. It's about of a, the death of a salesman. It's actually a, a, a American play, or it was made into a play and actually made into a movie. Two different times, but this play occurs during the, the first twenty, the last twenty four hours of a man named Willie Loman's life. Willie was an old, failing salesman living in New York City in the nineteen forties. During the course during this during this twenty four hours, he was fired from the sales job for unperformance underperformance. During the last twenty four hours of his life. Willie recounted several memories about his family. He remembered the times when he had sales jobs was lucrative and when he made a great deal of money. He recounted memories that he had had throughout his life. Willie spent his day remembering his usefulness. He remembered being loved, he remembered being helpful and respect from so many people that when he was a traveling salesman, he remembered being the one who could close the important sales deal He remembered the high commission dollars. He remembered the goals of being like his older brother who became a diamond tycoon after the lucrative discovery in Africa. Willie believed that one more sale could be the big one. Yet the big sale never came. Willie wanted to to have, have money to affirm his wealth and his worth because he could not see any worth in himself. In an act of desperation, his last remember, he remembered having an insurance life insurance policy for $20,000. Since his value was only on what money he could make, he decided to take his own life through an intentional car wreck. His life insurance policy would be his last payout and would become his last commission. At the final scene in this play or skit, The Death of a Salesman, The Loman family is gathered around their father's casket. And his son named Biff makes these two ironic statements regarding his father. And he says, the first is, he had the wrong dreams. And then the second one was, he did not really know who he was. And so we sense Willie felt that he had no internal value in himself. He looked for external things to give him value. Some of these were money, some of these were respect, and some of these was a administration. When he lost the things, lost these things in his life, he lost himself. His identity was crushed, when the systems that he had used to, for, for the meaning of his world ultimately were broke down, Willily eternalized the wrong things and orchestrated his demise. Can I tell someone this morning what we do? Whatever we is put in us to do by ourselves and by others is what we do in, in life. What we allow the stuff to go into our life, as Brother Toby has already been speaking about, whatever we allow to go inside of us is what will we, we affect us and goes out of us and what we, what we do in life and what we feel like are in our life. As Christians, one way we can do, be done is we need to hide God's word in our hearts. God has called us to a living, working faith a faith that is functional and purposeful. In short, our faith is a it should be a meaningful, meaningful faith. It makes a difference in our lives and the lives of others. What we've allowed to go inside of us just don't affect our life. What we allow to go inside of us, if it's good or bad, it affects others around us. Some people know a great deal about the Bible, but are faithless people. There's people that can read this by, quote this book from front cover to the back, but they don't have the faith, they don't have faith in their life. However, there are not people of great faith who that knows very little about this word. The thing is, if you don't have this word inside of you, you can't have the faith, true faith in God. In this way, our faith may be governed by our knowledge and our commitment to God's word. It, it, can, it, it affects us. What, what we, what we put this God's word inside of us. As Brother Toby says, it doesn't matter how long you may read this word, you installed this word, wherever the life carries you from that point forward, that word is inside of us. I can remember times in my life, I heard Sunday school lessons and lessons in, in child, when I was growing up as a child. But as, as these lessons and things that I learned in my life and was taught to me, I never thought about them for years, but there was times in my life where them words come back to me. They come back to my life and things that I thought in my life that I never would have even thought about again. Never even thought about couldn't remember who preached that message, but them sermons came back to me in the times and at least of I at least expected it. As we increase our knowledge of the Word of God, our faith will also grow. The Bible presents itself to readers as a divinely inspired document. Despite being produced by numerous authors across spans of many years, the scriptures are affirmed and produced through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. There's many people wrote this on paper, but it all came from one source. The source was from the Holy Ghost. Rather, it seems to be something that is presented based on faith. Biblical archaeologists has proven that the Bible particularly the New Testament is the most historically verifiable document in history. Therefore, it reads to be a divinely inspired words of faith and faith is necessary to believe what's in this word. We can take this word, but if we don't have the faith that this word is God's word, it's just another book. It's just another words on pages, but the words on these pages because we have faith in the true author of these books is what gives us the power. In fact, it is the element of faith that seems to awaken the scriptures off the pages. What makes these what these, makes this word alive is because we have faith in the one that written them. In short, without faith, inspiration is impossible. Paul advised Timothy that Scripture is useful for teaching, correction, and training up the righteous. Although the Bible may be contain some scientific and historical. Assertions: The usefulness of Scripture is directed at instructing and guiding believers into a righteous life. As we go through this, this this word is 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 word of God must be what directs us and what guides us. We cannot look at the news today. We can't look get on the watch the the six o'clock news this afternoon to see what's going to guide us for this week. We can't allow the headlines. We can't allow anybody in the world, the society, politics. We can't allow any of this to lead us and direct us or guide us in what our decisions must be. We must allow everything that guides us and delivers comes from this right here. I can tell you, it don't matter what you face today, you can can find the direction right here. Through prayer and faith and in this word of God, you can find the direction to get you through whatever situation you're going through. The word of God must be what's directing us and guiding us. The Bible comes to readers in two testaments or covenants. One of these testaments bears the name of the old. We're gonna talk about the, I know I'm kinda getting a little elementary here to some of us Bible scholars here today, but there's two testaments in the Bible, two divisions. One of his name is old. However, this does not mean that the other one that is fittingly called the New Testament is not to replace the Old Testament. However, this does not mean it was going to replace it. In fact, the New Testament heavily relies upon the Old Testament as a source of revelation that expires by the Holy Ghost. Peter wrote to the believers regarding this inspiration and the significance of the Old Testament's revelations. He instructed believers that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in the Old Testament by the will of man but holy men of God spake as they were moved upon by the Holy Ghost. Rather, it is a public revelation declared to all people through the moving of the Holy Spirit. The, word, the phrase, they were moved on, is, is a Greek verb, which was a Greek verb translated into they were moved on, which means to bear, carry, or bring forth. The same verb was also described describes sailing in Acts chapter 27, which is literally being carried by the wind. And this well, is this scripture, what well, it says when he says when they were moved upon to write these words, they were just carrying this message from what God had inspired in them and put it into the pages to where generation after generation could have this word. Sailing is a helpful description of what, which is to understand the divine and human element within the scripture. The majority of the New Testament is written in the context of spiritual growth. This is the context of building up churches. When we look at the New Testament from, the very, from Matthew to Revelations, we find direction, building up, growing the church, growing us spiritually. The Gospels, break, they broke down into the Gospels. The four Gospels were, were produced to provide believers who did not have a personal relationship with Jesus, they gave them in story format and they gave them for us today because you know we didn't, we didn't walk with Jesus on the earth but the four gospels that wrote these had accounts of, of stories and they put them in a story form to where we can understand them, the relationship. They had a personal relationship like me and brother Jerry and brother Larry's been friends all of our life, we grew up together. They had a relationship with Jesus they had a personal relationship and that's what they shared. Just like if I was sharing stories about our stories, we was this morning in our breakfast, we was sharing some stories of our childhood, growing up in the church. And we had them stories and Brother Allen said, I would love to hear some more of them stories. He said, I love to hear them stories about when y'all were growing up in church here. And that's the same as what the apostles were doing. They were writing down their accounts there are things when they walk with Jesus, the miracles that he did, there was to the build up the church. Up to this point, most believers had only encountered Jesus through preaching and personal experiences with the Holy Spirit. The gospels also are key works that seek to bond the Christianity to and the ancestral faith of Israel. Here these, these gospels were connecting the Old Testament to the New Testament. We look at, you know, in the book of John, where John was connecting to Deuteronomy 6 and 4, when he said the one God. We, we, talk, we look through the scriptures and the gospels, they were reading back to Moses' law, and they were connecting that. They weren't replacing the law. They were to make, come to make that law more, more perfect. And so here, that's what the gospels were doing, is it's connecting history with the church, with Christianity. Then we get to the book of Acts. And this is a theological history that provides Christians with an origin narrative that standardizes practices, doctrines and processes of an apostolic church. We look at the book of Acts and we see the practices that we need to be is to be an apostolic church. We see where the Holy Ghost was poured out. Where the plan of salvation came from. What we need to do to be baptized. We find these practices and these doctrines and these processes of what an apostolic church is really supposed to be by. If you want to see what we're supposed to be like, look at, this, look at the New Testament. Look at them and make that as example. That's what that's there for is an example for to put that word into our life. In Acts, Luke provided a template to help churches and believers experience spiritual growth. And that's what Luke was saying in Acts. He was saying, if you'll do these things, these, these templates, you will have spiritual growth. You will grow with, to with God. And then the rest of the New Testament, excluding Revelations, contains immensely practical letters written by the Apostle Paul, Peter, John, and James, and Jude, and the unknown author of Hebrews. But these letters were substitute for the visits from an apostle to these cities or to these churches. Here, you know, we know most of these letters was written from from inside of a prison or they were in exile or they were somewhere where they could not go personally and so they wrote these letters to where they could they could to minister to these to these cities and to these churches these letters were substitute for the visit of the apostles and they helped form the theology of early churches while addressing key issues in the churches these letters was to 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 help form these churches and also it was ch- these letters was to correct things in these churches that didn't happen, wasn't going right. And so we have to, sometimes, you know, we look at this and we look at these letters and sometimes we say, well, what is the, they're talking about? And when we realize we take this to, to where it comes from, we see that they were actually speaking to these certain cities or these certain churches and dealing with the issues in that particular city or that particular church when we understand the New Testament in this way, it is easy to see how the collection of documents aims toward a corporate and an individual spiritual growth. When we understand that what the New Testament, or the Bible even, all the Bible, but we understand that the New Testament is, is to, to direct us in a way of spiritual growth, we can understand that and then we can apply that to our life. There's a lot of reasons to study God's word. I mean, there's, there, it's, it's a good book to read. You're not gonna find something as, I've heard advertisements before on about radio stations, you're never going your kids can listen to this and you won't have to worry about them. I can tell you today, you need your kids needs to be listening to this. They need to be applying this to their life. And that's what we're talking about today because they're not gonna find anything in here that's gonna be offensive for anything that's gonna be wrong. But there's many reasons we should study God's word. Many of them we've, we've already addressed. We discussed I discussed about inspiration of God's word, the revelance of the Old Testament, and how the efficiency of the New Testament for Christian growth. This is good, however, the psalmist understood that for the word of God to have a real benefit in our life, we must hide it in our hearts. Back to the scripture text I read in the beginning. You know, it doesn't matter how much we... Come to church. I mean, it does matter, but I'm saying, but it doesn't matter for our relationship with God. It, what it really matters is how much we apply this word to our heart. How much we put this word in our heart, and is not good enough to just to know God's word. I've heard people, and I've shared this. I think last time I was preaching about a guy that knew the Bible. He would he quote scriptures, and he and guys that would quote scriptures and, and I've heard people quote scriptures in their life you know we do I've, I've, several of us do our, in prison ministry and I've had, had these guys that knows this Bible they know this word they have hid this word in their heart and that is an important part of hiding this word in your heart but we must apply the, the knowledge in our lives to allow the word to change our life we got to allow this word to change us we need to, we need to absorb this word we need to put this word we need to remember this word but we must allow it to change our life. We, need, we have to apply this word to us, to our life. We can know the scriptures, but we got to apply the scriptures. We, ne- we can never apply anything that we do not know though. You know, we cannot apply this word if we don't know, uh, know this word in our heart. So that's why we must study this word. We must apply this word. Therefore, the first steps of process is to be sure that we're learning God's word. And there's importance. Our kids our kids should be learning this word. I'm an example today. If, you, if you'll put this word inside of them, and I, can, and I can pass this mic around to anybody that's been in church very long. If you'll put this word inside of them, it will come back. It, it will not go fold. We are, if we put this word, we learn this word, and we're exposed to this scripture daily or regularly, we must apply this word. Sometimes in my life, I've found there's periods in my life where, you know, I was in church and I've been in church, and even when I've been in church, there's times in my life when life gets busy, and I don't get in this word like I should. There's times when I get I don't I don't allow this word to get inside of me on a regular basis. I'm too passive about it. Maybe I may do my Bible reading. I may read my, my, my three chapters or whatever it does to get my bread program done. But I don't allow that word to seep inside of me. And if I don't allow that word to get inside of me, it's not gonna do nothing for me. It's not gonna change me. We gotta be exposed to these scriptures. And we gotta allow these scriptures to, to change us and expose us. The primary focus of the Bible is twofold. First, it is, to, is the revelation of the relational God through the narrative of scriptures. It's, it's, the, it's the revelation of who Christ is. And the second thing is it reveals the life of faith to those following Jesus and aids them in the practice, practice their faith through daily living. We need to, we need to practice this word. We need to live this word. In our everyday life, This this word has gotta be, Inside of us, to the point of we've got to live this word and live it out in life. The Bible may have may provide occasional scientific observations. There may be things in history that is revealed through this Bible. You know, there's things like the Earth is round. We find that in Isaiah 40. It describes a lot of historical events. This is a good history book. It, it tells us history. But however, that is not the chief purpose of the Bible, of the word of God. The focus of scripture is for, is for revealing who God is and is for guiding believers. And that's what the word of God is, is, is designed for. Let us use these scriptures appropriately today by right, rightly dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2 and 15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, Rightly dividing the word of truth, we must share this gospel with others, and to build up believers in the faith, we must share this word of God. God teaches us how to please Him, how to please Him. He teaches in his, teaches in His Word. In Deuteronomy six and four, the Bible says, "Hear, O Israel: The Lord our God is one Lord." And thou shalt love the Lord, in verse five says, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. In Deuteronomy 6 says, six and six says, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart. And we must apply these words. Then the heart is the seat of our emotions. Our emotions comes from our heart. Whatever's inside of us is what is gonna come out in times. All of our feelings flow from our heart. And that's why the word is so so destructive to put that word in our heart. Because everything that comes out of us, our emotions, our feelings, it all flows from our heart. Therefore, all of our emotions should reflect the love of God. That's how when we reach out to other people, if we wanna win other people, if we wanna win the lost, we need to allow God to show through us. And the only way to let God's word and have lots to come through us is we got to have that word and have his relationship inside of us. We also love God with our minds, which gives us the ability to, to contemplate and to make choices. You know, this is the only, we're the only creatures, the human beings are the only creatures that God made in his image. So we're the only ones that has the ability to contemplate and to make choices like we do. We are called to love God with all our thoughts and our feelings. This is not a, can, cannot be a half-hearted effort. I've tried, I can tell you today, I can stand here as a testimony, I can stand here today and say, I've half-heartedly tried to walk this. I've half-heartedly tried to live this here. I've half-heartedly tried to say that I'm doing everything right. But am I really? Here today, I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to anyone else. Am I really putting everything forward? Am I really giving it all to him? And so today, as we, as we feel like, you know, we, gotta, we cannot do this half-heartedly. We, we are to purpose these things with all of our strength. We must give it all to him. God's word gives us a greater insight into our, ourselves and to understanding of the world around us. As we'll apply this word to our life, we get a fresh understanding of what's going on. There's been times and there's people and, and through the last few years with this pandemic and, and through the things that's going on in the politics and the things that goes on in our world, and I'm not trying to get on politics today, but, but when we look at things in life, we get, sometimes we get overwhelmed, we get stressed out, we get all these things, but if we apply this word to our life, we apply this word to our life, we'll get a new insight on what's really going on. We look at this thing a whole differently when we allow this word to change our, look, our outlook on things. And that's what we must do. We must allow the word to change us and give us a new outlook and a new understanding. The lesson text shows that, the, that following God's word makes our lifestyles pure and clean. When we learn more about ourselves and others through the knowledge and wisdom within the Bible, we are better prepared to engage in challenging, challenging situations. Psalms 119 and 11, the Bible says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. By storing God's word in our hearts, we are protected from sinning. When we have that word in our heart. I've had times in my life when I was in situations that I shouldn't have been in. There was word came to me. I knew I was wrong because what was inside of me was checking me and that should be there. It should be in all of our life. Psalms 119 and 101 says, I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. God's word also protects us from traveling down evil paths. His word can keep us at the intersections of life. When we find ourselves at these crossroads in life, if we have the word in our life, it can give us that direction. And I said earlier, it doesn't matter what you go through in life, where you go down or what crossroads you come to in life, if you will truly seek out your direction from God in prayer and through his word, he'll give you direction. Often we've set our feet toward evil paths and sometimes before it's too late to stop. Our in, our, in other words, we have gone too far before we realize just how far we have gone. The best way to prevent sin is to proactively avoid it. But sometimes in life, we find ourselves going down roads before we realize it, going down roads in, in, into darkness before we, before we realize that. But God's Word is a lamp into our feet, it is a light. To guide our path, those and there are many of us not here, but those that have tr- that lived in urban areas, and cities, and things in their life, most, areas like that, most of their life have have may never have experienced darkness. We may say it's dark outside, yet the nights are dominated by assortment of headlights, street lights, billboard not many billboards around here but but it, but exterior lights from homes and businesses it's been a while but a while back I was flying uh, flying across country in, in an airplane and we was flying and you, and you look down and you can see just lights everywhere and you're like where does the city stop almost and when you get in certain areas it's just lights for far as you can see and so sometimes it lights you know we say we live in the dark World. There's times in my life where I've, even if I've, I've escaped the lights of the city, sometimes I've been in the woods before, hunting and things in the dark. But if you, if you know if you're in the dark, you have the light of the moon or the stars overhead for a source of light. But a lot of times I've been you know, going to a tree stand or, or doing something like that in the dark and after you stand out in the dark just a few minutes, there's enough light from the, the stars or the moon that your eyes adjust. And then you can actually see. So you really, you know, we say we, we've seen darkness outside. You know, we walk outside at night, you know, it's, we think it's dark out there. But really, if you, you know, you really look at that. So due to this, it's, sometimes it's hard for us to see, to experience true darkness. But a few years ago, me and my wife went on vacation and we went to the mountains and we toured this cavern. We stopped at this cavern and we toured this cavern and we went down into this This cavern to a lake underground, and we got into this room part. And they said, at this time, we want everybody to stand completely still. And they prepared everybody and told us to get really completely still because they said we're going to cut the lights out for sixty seconds, and then allow your eyes to settle. And then they, and when they cut them lights off, and in just a few seconds or instantly, when they cut them lights off, it, it was it was. It was true, complete darkness. You could not see anything. I thought I had been in darkness before. But in that cavern where there was no source of no light, you could not even see your anything. You couldn't even feel nothing. It, it, it was an eerie feeling because it was so dark that you couldn't even see your hand if you was touching your nose. You couldn't see nothing. And it, and it was a... But it was, a, it was true darkness. And sometimes in our world, we find places like that in sin. We find ourselves in true darkness. But our goal should be to daily live out God's word in our lives. Because God gives us the light. God is the light. So when we find ourselves in these dark places, when we find ourselves in these places in life, all we got to do is turn back to this word this light, and it, when you're in a dark place, it don't take a bright light to show up. But this, I can tell you this, this is the brightest light there is to find. When you find this word of God, it doesn't matter where you are in darkness in life, this light will light up the world around you. We must live out our, our lives in God's word every day. Cruise control is a great feature for our cars in the parking lot. I like my cruise control. I set it, usually it keeps me, when I was younger, I got quite a few speeding tickets and so I learned set the cruise control. It keeps the blue lights from shining behind you. It's a great feature in a car, but God does not install believers with cruise control. We need today, we need to get our faith off of cruise control. And take the to take our incentive into our faith. We need, we need to get our life in, out, off of cruise control. We, we go through life, and I'm, I'm guilty. I come to church on Sunday, Wednesday, next Sunday, and we go through life on cruise control. And I feel like sometimes, you know, well, I know we'll be next Sunday, we just got to coast on to next Sunday, and I, this and that in our life, we find ourselves just coasting. And so many times, and Brother Jerry preached a message here a while back, that we can't just coast. We've gotta be going. We gotta be putting our foot down. We gotta be pushing forward. And we gotta get our faith back straight in life. God does not promise us a road that is straight and smooth. But he does promise us a road. It is a, most of the time in our life, it is, it's quite opposite from being straight and smooth. John 16 and 33 says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace, but in the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Jesus promises us we will have trouble in this world. We will have trouble in this world. When the place we are focusing our lives out of our faith on God's word, we are the best prepared to live out our life in this world. We, are, we, we all have to, to we all have an mental image of God. We all probably, could probably pass the mic around today, and what is your visual image of God? Uh, what you, who you think God is? But the image is not always based on who God really is. Researchers have discovered that children develop their image of God in the correlation with their relationship with their parents. Researchers demonstrate that the attachment relationship between parent and child directly informs what a child believes about God. In other words, parents are models through which children create their view of who God really is. And that is a that is research that's been done. Christian parents can be best prepare their children for life of faith by modeling a parent relationship that is representative to who God really is. Let us not only seek God so we might know the truth, but also so that we can we might perform what is true. We must, as parents, we must lead as and, and have that relationship with them. Because so many times in our life, you know, children look at us as we're their provider. And if we provide for them, they learn that relationship. And that's where they learn that God is their provider. And we teach them, we taught in our home, we taught our child, our daughter, we taught her that. God provides everything. God provides our thing. Yes, I go to the job and I make money, but God allowed me to work. God gives me the health every day and we we build that relationship and we we create that relationship with our children and what they are with God. And so it's so important that we must instill this word of God in our children. Psalms 51 and 6 says behold thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden parts thou shalt make me and know wisdom. Today I ask us today, let us desire truth in our inward parts. We pursue truth so that we might not not only know the practice and to practice truth, but but so that we might feel truth in a meaningful way. We don't don't just need to know this truth just to, to know it. We need to feel this truth. We need to discover a life of faith that takes hold of the core of our being. Thus, it transforms us in a powerful way. As I go back in closing today, I ask us today, we must hide this word in our hearts. And we must allow this word to be applied to our life. And as we apply this word to our life, we allow it to change us and transform us. Into what God wants for us. And we transform us into the relationship we have with God today. Today, as we stand across here today, I ask us today to let's pray right now as we begin to close and before we transition into our next part of our service. I ask us today to just pray that God will allow us to absorb the words that we read off the page. We can study these words, but we need to allow God. We need God's anointing that we can absorb that, and we can apply that word, and that it can transform us into what He wants us to be. Let us pray right now, Lord. I ask you to touch us and anoint us today.
0: This message has been brought to you today by the Media Ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.